Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you here on News Radio 680 WPTF. And this show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care. And uh, thank you, Cooper, for being a part. Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care, Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. And guys, uh, it's kind of a surprise. I came into the studio today. You guys are playing some Enya. There's some incense burning, some oils. I'm, oh, it, I'm a little confused. It's all kinds of crazy stuff. We've got sandalwood out. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's a little on the heavy side. But uh, we are very pleased to have a guest here that we've, we've never had on before. Uh, her name is Tricia McPherson, and she's going to talk about something that is going to be educational for me as well. I have never participated in therapeutic massage. just have no concept of really what it is. I'm aware of it in general. And uh, Tricia has a great background on, in this and has not only uh, does this professionally, but has coordinated other people doing it to help caregivers throughout the Triangle area. And so, Tricia, we're glad that you're here. And uh, even the concept of this is I'm not quite sure where to start with massages. So just jump in, educate me. What do people misunderstand about massages? Well, you don't have to get a massage because you're in pain. That's, I think that's the biggest thing people think. Like, well, I don't need a massage today, so I won't get one. So there's other reasons. There's other reasons. You can be... You can just get it because you know you will be in pain, say, after a big event you have planned or taking care of mom for the week. You can plan ahead and have that massage so you can have something to look forward to and know that you won't be so stressed at the end of that event. So it's good for stress relief. You can do it. You can get a massage because you have a hard time sleeping, because you have bad body mechanics. Massage helps a lot of aspects. So, you know, sometimes I think people view the massage sort of in that world of hocus pocus. But there is some true scientific studies and things that have been done to prove the benefits of massage, correct? Yeah, definitely. They've, there's, they've been doing a lot of research, and it's hard to kind of nail down a massage therapist and get a good study done because mm -hmm. days change for a client, for every person. Days change, your body changes, your needs change. So it's mm -hmm. hard to really finalize and get real research studies done. But what they've found is... Massage is equally as effective for low back pain as medic as medication and SEDS and um, any other treatment. So massage is just as effective. Same as um, neck pain and anxiety. They've found that massage will help a lot for insomnia and and many postural effects of your body. Sorry. So you have been doing and coordinating the massage therapist for the caregiver summits for the last several years now which I know has been a big job and we greatly appreciate that. But, you know, you see caregivers come into your area at that caregiver summit. What are some of the experiences that you've noticed that the caregivers have had when they've had these massages, these quick 15, 10, 15 minute massages? What, what are some of the things you're hearing and how do you think that they potentially could benefit a caregiver? So one of my therapists that have, has come out, uh, William Dickinson, did a, did a study or did a poll, and he found that the one number one reason people weren't coming for massage is they need daycare. It's not that because they think massage is icky. It's not because of all these other things. When it comes down to it, they need quality care for the people that they love. And so, and that's something that we hear at the caregivers conference every year. This is my one massage a year. Their ten minute session is their one massage a year, 
And so when I'm looking for a massage therapist, I let them know this is this is something they're doing for the community. They're participating in the community and they're helping out. This may be their only massage. And so my, th- my th- massage therapists really enjoy knowing that, that they're giving back and helping out. So I know that our patients um, with transitions hospice care are sometimes set up for massages because they, we know that this can be very beneficial for them. And yet many people may think of this as a luxury. Massage is a luxury, and but you're talking about really physiological benefits is what you were referencing earlier, that this is a viable alternative to taking medications in some situations and is really part of caregivers taking care of themselves. Can you, can you expound on that a little bit? So um, massage is, we never want to in- encourage people to go off their medication. Um, but it does, it does help. So if you are already taking medication from, that's prescribed from a doctor, then absolutely um, stay on that medication until you know that you can go back to the doctor and say, hey, the massage is helping. Can we wean off or whatever it is? But um, as far as caregivers are concerned in hospice, one of the things that I do, and I know many massage therapists do, if it's in-home hospice, you can negotiate with a the therapist and say, hey, money is tight. Can you work on mom and me when you come out? And so you can negotiate for a better rate and have, have a massage therapist come out and help you with your caregiving needs just to relax. And you can help mom with, with her needs as well. I think one of the things that we often forget when we're caring for somebody that we are doing things to them. We're, we're, we're changing them. We're turning them. We're positioning them. We're feeding them. We're bathing them. But I think a lot of times people forget the importance of touch. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. When I work with um, people who, who, who have caregivers, one of my biggest concerns is to not treat that person as if they do not have, have rights or a value. So we're not doing anything to them. As much as they can, they have the choice in what kind of therapy they're receiving and what kind of massage they're going to get if they are just not feeling well that day you can just spend that whole time on their feet and a foot massage on um, somebody who isn't walking regularly is going to help them move move uh, move more feel less pain have increased blood flow and it's going to help them go to the bathroom better as well so you just touched on something where someone who like myself who's never done this walks into the room with some ignorance. You talk about different types of massages. What does that really mean? Because I'm using the word massage in this general term. What types of massages are there? Can you you educate the ignorant? And by the way, I'm the ignorant. (laughs) So do do you mind? Help me understand what different types of massages are like and what the purpose of those is. Well, so the one massage that everybody sort of thinks of is is that Swedish massage, and it's just a long, flowing massage, and it helps you feel really relaxed. And that massage is really geared towards increasing blood flow, helping you relax, and just kind of setting the stage for other techniques. Because you really want to do initiate with that Swedish massage, because you're not just going to dig in and do deep tissue work. Somebody is going to be a little thrown and maybe in pain if you just walk up to somebody and squeeze their shoulders. That doesn't really feel good every time. 
Um, so that's that's what a Swedish massage is. And a deep tissue massage, people assume, is like really deep, really painful work, but it's not necessarily painful because you can at, you can target deeper muscle tissue with slower massage techniques. So other massage techniques called. Um, we refer to as myofascial therapy, a myofascial release, or even a myoskeletal session is um, isolates deeper tissue while still not being as painful as like a trigger point session. So have you had any experience doing massage with individuals with cognitive impairment like dementia? And, and what are some of the results that you've seen with that? Because that can be kind of tricky, I would think. I know, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, because they will all of a sudden have a memory mm. and they'll just start sharing that memory and it may not have nothing to do with that moment. And, and it's just nice to be with them in their moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the number one thing. So if they're thrown into some memory to just visit and stay with them and to keep them calm. Um, and then the other thing that I do when somebody is really just in a, in a confused state, we, um, and, and caregivers, I teach caregivers to do this as well. And you basically stand behind the person and you rest your wrists on the top of their shoulders and just breathe. And it really helps them to settle and come to a more peaceful state. So if, you're, if you enter into a room and somebody is, is not doing well, then that's a, a great place to start. Our guest this evening is Trisha McPherson, and she's a massage therapist with Relief Massage and Body Work, and we're going to continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I'm Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, Nicole Bruno alongside me, and our guest this evening is Trisha McPherson. She's a uh, massage therapist with Relief Massage and Body Work, and we're talking obviously all about massage. And uh, Nicole, there's a, you know, this is kind of an important thing. We kind of hit on this earlier, but for for caregivers to just take some time and uh, you know, take care of themselves and hopefully they can learn some techniques that maybe they can share while they're caregiving as well. But it's, it's important. It is. You know, it's kind of sad to me to hear that, you know, some of these caregivers that come to these summits, that 10 minutes is the only time they have yeah. a massage for a year. And gosh, if anybody needs a massage, it's the caregiver because mm-hmm. they are just caring 24-7 for a loved one. So I'm so glad again that you do that for us because that's just such a gift to the community. But let's think, let's talk a little bit about, you know, let's think about these people who that's their only 10 minutes for a year. What can they do at home for self-care? What are some simple things that they can take little mini retreats or mini vacations during their day to help rejuvenate themselves and fulfill themselves so they can continue become, being compassionate to, the, to their loved one? Well, one of the things that we teach at the Caregiver Conference is if you tug your ears and like just tug and roll down your ear from top to bottom, it helps. It sends a message to your neck muscles. Can I yank Cooper's ear? Go right ahead. <laughs> I think it sends a it. message to the neck muscles to relax because the ear attachments are right there where the neck muscles attach. So it just sends a really it sends a quick message. Just let go, relax. And so after you tug on your ears a few times, just kind of turn your head slowly and turn your eye with your head so that you're increasing that range and do it with your breath. And so that's a really good just two minute break. And you can do that when you step out and you can teach mom or dad how to do it too. So that they, while they are 
uncomfortable, you can help them to find comfort on their own. Wow, what else? So um, another thing that I teach them is to do their own self-foot massage because it's going to help them relax. It's going to reduce their pain. It's going to improve their posture and reduce their falls because they're getting some more uh, increased blood flow into the area and and getting those muscles moving. So self-foot massage, foot baths, even if you add like a cup of salt, Epsom salt and baking soda is going to help to help just soften the skin and make it easier to massage. So with the foot massage, how do you know if you're, do you, you, if I'm massaging someone, massaging their feet, do I just ask them, Hey, is this, am I going hard enough or if I need to soften up? Like, how do you know what's, what's the right amount of pressure? Well, so our thumbs aren't as, well, your thumbs aren't as strong as my thumbs. So I like to encourage people to, um, to just sort of use their knuckles and use the amount of pressure that you would use um, to to need a to need bread. So if you're kind of you're not going to beat up that bread, you're just going to use just enough to to soften it. You're going to use that much amount of pressure on yourself. And if your thumbs start hurting, obviously use less pressure. So during the break, we were talking a little bit about monkey business. Talk to us a little bit about that. <laughs> That's what it's called. That was, we were not discussing monkey business. Let, let us clarify this. And I'll, Trisha, bring us back on, on the okay. t- topic here. So there is an essential oil that I use on my clients in the office when they just are not relaxing. And you can tell that they are thinking. It's called Monkey Mind. It's made by Loving Sense Essential Oils in um, Greensboro. And you can pick it up online, and it's, it's called Monkey Mind, not monkey business. And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Tricia, for the clarification. We appreciate it. it. It's, kind of, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's, it's magic, really, because it quickly, <laughs> quickly stops you from, like, just that, that constant gerbil on it. And not a gerbil. Hamster on a hamster on a gerbil wheel? Is that how it goes? Gerbil, gerbils get on wheels too. Let's not discriminate. Either way, it stops the mind from racing. And and so that's it's really critical. So I tell people to put that on on a, their sheet, not on their pillow, but near their face when they go to sleep. If that's really one of the things that's keeping them from sleeping is to just try that essential oil and it works. So this isn't an extract from a monkey, is it? No. We don't, we're not going to have our PETA people coming after us. <laughs> it is not. It is not. And, and I really do recommend checking it out. So. so recently I've had some folks introduce me to the concept of foam rollers, which I thought foam rollers were things that grandmama put in her hair. And that's not what they had in mind. And they were using it to try and essentially roll muscles to it was it was kind of like a form of self massage like mm-hmm. for their back and their arms and their legs and I didn't really understand it. Can you what so, what is this about? Yeah, foam rolling is an effective way to to do self massage at home when you only have a few minutes. But it's important to do it slowly, methodically and intentionally. Make sure you have a coffee table or a couch nearby so that you can assist so that you're not bruising yourself. Because it's just Flopping yourself down on a foam roller and just rolling out can be can be painful and and I have a lot of clients that are coming back bruised because they just think that they more is better and more is better but do it intentionally and make sure you know what you're doing. There are classes in the triangle area, so you just make sure you attend one or or I guess you can just look it up on YouTube. But be intentional and and make sure you have props available so that you're not injuring yourself. Part of self care is 
doing the self-care in a way that's actually constructive and helpful to you as opposed to coming away harmed. Yeah, it's easy to like, oh, my friend told me to try this, so I bought it and I'm going to try it. And we really just, we don't want to do the research, but a quick, quick two-minute online research is, is all you really need. And then there's STEM. Yeah, I've had some clients coming in telling me they're doing self-STEM. And when you go to a physical therapist and you go to a chiropractor. But what is it? So it's these electrical pads okay. that you put on your body and it, it. Is it shocking you? It's not really. It's it's electrical impulse. So, so we don't do this in the bath? We don't do it in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You just never know. Because, no. you know, coffee cups have hot words on them so yes. you know this is hot don't pour it on yourself so you know we don't do stim in a bath okay no a trained <laughs> a trained professional will know exactly how to do it so just make sure if if you're coming home from pt or chiropractic and they're telling you to do, use self-stim make sure you know exactly where to put the pads on because if, if you don't you're just fatiguing the area and and you're not actually helping so the, the goal of stim is to fatigue a muscle to the point of it relaxing. So this is sort of a fad. It's not say? a fad. It's been going on since but the at 80s. home use. The home use is. Yeah. Yes. Cuz we know around the holidays they sell all those handheld devices. You had some questions about those, didn't you, Jason? Yeah, just the the validity of those, you know, you see them walking through the aisles at a, a pharmacy or any big box store, you know, do, do they work or are Well, they... yeah. It's percussion. Okay. That's what it is. It's a percussion massage. It's going to increase blood flow. It's going to beat up the muscle just a little bit and fatigue it. And so the goal of forcing a muscle to relax is sometimes to fatigue it. So that's what we're doing with the, the handheld massagers or whatever. But afterwards, just kind of move around, get some range of motion, some flexibility, move whatever it is that you're working on. If it's your shoulder, do do full shoulder uh, circles and, and elbow circles as well. Make sure you're just keeping the area loose and, get, and getting the movement that you need. So if you don't do that, can you hurt yourself or is it you know, just with, not as comfortable? Afterwards? Not with like a handheld massager. Okay. You're not going to hurt yourself. I mean, I guess you could. Don't try. Co- Cooper but, might. Cooper might. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried about Cooper. There I, are, I, don't, I don't use them. Yeah, we're good. There are all different types of personalities, and there are people who are like, more is always better, and, and more is not always better. Um, you're not going to hurt yourself, hopefully, with one of those massagers, but you're going to get a better uh, 10 or 15-minute self-care session. If, af- if you only take 10 minutes for that massager and then spend another five doing range of motion and flexibility. So we always ask this question, you know, how is massage paid for? Is this something that's covered by your insurance or is this a private pay situation? Money's always on everybody's minds. It definitely sounds like there's some benefits to this. There are some health insurance companies that that provide massage or or pay for some massage therapy, but most do not. It is self-care. Most massage therapists will negotiate package prices, um, so it's self-care, but we'll help you pay for it as much as we can. Tricia, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they are interested in maybe getting massage from you? What's the best way to find out more? You can call me, email me, um, and you can check me out on my website, reliefmassage.net. I'm also on Facebook, but I don't really keep up on that. Okay. <laughs> so reliefmassage.net is the best way to get a hold, or you can give uh, give the uh, relief massage and body work facility a call you can call 919-710-0924 that's 919-710-0924
2-4. Trisha McPherson, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. We'll be right back. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton. Alongside me and Cooper, we're going to shift gears here a little bit, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, a subject that we talk about often because it's unfortunately it's something that we always hear about, and it's the scary word of cancer. Well, we're a little afraid of that word, and sometimes with very good reason. I think almost all of us have had an experience with cancer. Many of our caregivers have personally had cancer. You know, it's no longer this death sentence that we used to associate Mm -hmm. with the word. It even had its own euphemism. We'd call it the big C. Uh, And the idea was that if you got cancer, everything was over. And it's really not accurate anymore. And we're treating cancer more and more like a chronic illness. And I can speak with respect to the hospice industry, where at one time, cancer represented 90% of all hospice deaths. Cancer was the primary diagnosis for that. That's just not true anymore. Uh, Now it's about 40% of all hospice deaths are related to cancer as the terminal illness. And it really speaks to the advances we have in detecting cancer and treating cancer. But with that has come some challenges in now dealing with cancer as a chronic illness. And thankfully, we have a national advocacy group that works on that. And so it's uh, my privilege to introduce Ray Reardon, who is with the, he's the North Carolina Grassroots Manager with the American Cancer Society and also with the Cancer Action Network. Ray, welcome to the show. And can you give us kind of an introduction of of what that fancy title means? Yes, thank you. Appreciate the the time to talk a little bit about who we are and and some of the issues that that we're working on. Uh, So the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, or as we often refer to it as ACS-CAN, is the advocacy affiliate of the American Cancer Society. And we are out there working with lawmakers from all political parties at all levels of government to to make cancer a national priority. Um, the, The bottom line is we know that Defeating cancer is really uh, it's as much a matter of public policy as it is scientific discovery. And, and lawmakers play a, a critical role in determining just how much progress we make as a country to defeating cancer. And ACS-CAN uh, is, is that organization that, that gives a voice to, to those impacted by cancer as they are out there encouraging our lawmakers to join the fight to make cancer a, a national priority. They're out there you know, helping to, to raise issues of importance, raising funds, educating voters, and really rallying others to the fight against cancer. Uh, Ray, we've on, and, on this show several times, we've talked about public policy issues because to your point, it's very difficult to separate the accessibility of care, the accessibility of research dollars uh, the impact those dollars and those policies have on patients and their caregivers, it's really impossible to separate that part of the of public policy from ultimately their its impact on the caregiver journey. what are what are some of the the key issues that you guys are addressing with respect to public policy and cancer, and how would that apply to North Carolina caregivers? Yes, thank you. Uh, so, 
you know, here's, here, here's what we know about cancer. We know that one in two men and one in three women are, are, are going to, to be diagnosed with, with cancer. Moreover, we know that 100, 100% of us are, are going to know somebody uh, who's, who's impacted by cancer within our lifetime. Um, and what we also know is that these advances in, in, you know, the advances we've made in cancer research continue to, to provide really a new and more effective, new and more effective treatments for, for cancer. But, but the therapies don't meet all the needs of, of cancer patients. And, and focusing exclusively on treating a patient's disease can really result in failure to address the full spectrum of issues that that come from a cancer diagnosis and the accompanying treatment. And you know, so some of these issues include emotional distress, physical symptoms such as pain, fatigue, nausea, and you know, just as, a, as an aside, f- fatigue, for example, is one of the leading reasons for cancer patients uh, to skip follow-up medical appointments. Um, and, and patients suffering from side effects find it much harder to return to the workforce or engage in, in family activities. Um, however, you know, patients often don't know to ask about this other type of quality of life focused care or, or have trouble um, maybe accessing this care. And l- let me tell you a story, if I, if, if, if I can, uh, that, that sort Array. of sums this up. Yes. One of the, one of the statistics that you gave, and I'd love to hear the story as well, was particularly, you know, I don't think we hear this too often. One in two men and one in three women are going to be diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, I think the general perception of the public is not if I will get cancer, but when I will get cancer. So I certainly think, you know, just the, the, the general consumer, the general public wants cancer you know, the, the cancer-related uh, bills and, and measures that we're trying to get passed to definitely be way up there in the forefronts of the um, legislature's minds. Because I think, as you said, it's not just the scientific research, but it's how do we support people chronically. And I can tell you in my work at Transitions Guiding Lights, we work with so many caregivers who have cancer, chronic cancer that, you know, they can go on for 20, 30 years with it. And then they're dealing with perhaps a loved one who has maybe more of the late stage cancer. And so you have families where it's multiple people in the family all have cancer at the same time. And, you know, how do they afford, continue to afford their treatments and, and, and things of that nature? Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Something that, that, that we see. And as I, as I get to, to work uh, across the state here, um, you know, I was saying I, I, I hear stories all the all the time, um, you know, folks who, who are who are who are out there talking to me about their their cancer experience and, and what it and how it impacted them and their 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 families as, as well. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the typical story that, that we hear uh, is, is somebody, you know, who, who who's diagnosed with with cancer um, and, you know, they are they're overwhelmed, right? There's the fear, the, the stress, the pain. And it doesn't end, you know, when, when treatment is, is over, either for them or for their, their, their caregivers. So what we find are folks um, who are spending hours contacting doctor after doctor and with, with little to no coordination uh, to deal with all of these 
other things that come along with such a, a, a diagnosis. So there's the, the pain, the emotional stress. And quite oftentimes, there's no one out there addressing it. Um, and what we find are, are families who, who are scared, uh, families who, who want to know how they can better support their loved ones, but don't know how. Uh, and so one of the things that, that we have been working on here uh, at, at ACS Can is, is something called palliative care. Um, and what palliative care is, is really it's a, it's a specialized sort of medical care that can provide the best possible quality of life for a patient and his or her family by offering this relief from, from the symptoms that I've talked about, the pain and stress of, of a serious illness. And palliative care is really essential to, to achieving this goal of, of comprehensive, cost-effective care that improves patient satisfaction and, quite frankly, goes a long way in improving health outcomes. So, Ray, what, we want what, what I'd, we, I'd like yeah, for us to ahead. explore that palliative care piece a little further. We may have to pick up on it after the break. We're about out of time in this segment. But I think there's great misunderstandings about palliative care. And Many of our listeners may think of palliative care actually as hospice, and while hospice is a type of palliative care, we have thousands and thousands of patients that are receiving palliative care who are not in hospice, and it's an option that can be run concurrently, and I'd like for us to explore that when we come back from the break. Yep, we'll do just that. Our guest is Ray Reardon. He's the North Carolina Grassroots Manager of the American Cancer Society and the Cancer Action Network. We'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Find more about them online at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton alongside me, and our guest this evening is Ray Reardon. He's the North Carolina Grassroots Manager of the American Cancer Society and the Cancer Action Network. And Cooper, just before the break, we were talking about uh, talking about, about palliative care and uh, the difference between that and hospice care, but, uh, you know, Sometimes I still get confused on the two. So what is palliative care? Palliative care in its simplest sense is the practice of medicine that is designed to focus on comforting and supporting the entire patient as opposed to necessarily speed, uh, treating a specific illness. And, and Ray really referenced this uh, earlier on in the show when he talked about we, we get very focused on the treatment of cancer, but there are all these components that patients and their families or caregivers experience related to the disease. They're not necessarily caused by the cancer process itself. It's really the ancillary impact on families as they deal with the disease. Palliative medicine focuses on the larger patient, really talking about what are the goals of care, what is meaningful to someone, less focused on particular lab counts, and more focused on what matters to you as an individual who has cancer. Some patients in palliative care will may choose at some point to go into hospice care, but there's no requirement of that in any way. And palliative care is done in conjunction with curative treatment. So if a patient is receiving chemotherapy or radiation or experimental treatments, 
Palliative care is a natural component, a natural sidekick, if you will, to the other cares that are going on and really augment the larger patient experience. So I think that's that's a broad brush for it. Um, Ray, does that kind of match your understanding of this as well? And, and if so, how does that tie into what you see as the American Cancer Society's uh, engagement with palliative care? Yes, thanks, Cooper. It, it, it does. And, uh, you know, to, to, to speak to, to your point, um, you know, we, we know that, that there is a better way to provide care. And, and uh, you know, palliative care is that avenue. Um, so with, with palliative care, you know, we, we know that the, the, the patient is, is going to be working with a doctor with this specialized training to help take control of, of the patient's treatment from, from day one. Uh, that, that doctor is going to be coordinating that care, communicating with all of the other doctors and nurses. The, the doctor is going to be more plugged in and asking questions about how the patient is feeling to help to address their pain, uh, refer them to, to, to psychologists to help with any stress that they or their families may be dealing with. And really, the, the, the doctor is, is going to, to, to work with that family and explain things to them and answer questions about treatment and how they can specifically help that, that patient while in treatment. Um, and w- what we've seen, you know, we, the, the evidence bears it out that palliative care really does help patients complete treatments, and, uh, and this includes rehabilitation to address impairments, to improve quality of life for patients, for survivors, and for caregivers. And, and the studies show that cancer patients receiving palliative care, especially during chemotherapy, are far, far more likely to, to complete their cycle of treatment, to stay in clinical trials, uh, and, and report a higher quality of life than similar patients who do not receive this, this palliative care. Well, really and the short, recent I mean, research also shows that palliative care really does increase satisfaction in caregivers of, of patients with cancer as well. You know, Ray, I think in, in short, when, when we look at palliative care going on with experimental treatment and things, when a patient is so sick with the side effects of treatment that they can't continue it, looking at the comfort components the pain control components that are so well addressed uh, through palliative care it can make all the difference. You know, I, the, the treatment won't benefit me if I can't complete it, if I can't participate fully in the treatment. And palliative care often opens the door for additional curative care by allowing the patient actually to, to, to be able to handle the burden of that treatment um, more easily. So I, I think there's great value and coupling palliative care with concurrent care. Uh, and then for those patients that where treatment is not effective, obviously hospice remains an option for them, and uh, we've discussed that on other shows. But if there are ways, what are ways people can get involved and, and support the efforts that you guys are doing at the American Cancer Society, Ray? Yes, well, they can certainly visit our website, and that would be uh, acscan.org. Uh, and from there, you can find information about the, the, the various federal campaigns we're working on, as well as uh, be able to navigate to any specific state pages uh, to, to find uh, things like my contact information, as well as some of the, the state uh, legislative priorities that, that we're working on. 
Ray Reardon, he's the North Carolina grassroots manager of the American Cancer Society and the Cancer Action Network. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, Nicole, you've, uh, we're almost out of time here, but I'm glad you're still standing after getting through another great caregiver summit in Chapel Hill on I'm Tuesday. Kicking. <laughs> I know you're, you're as, as perky as ever. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, it was an absolutely amazing summit. It's our second annual summit in for Orange County. My gosh, the, the Friday Center was absolutely teeming with caregivers and the energy was just phenomenal. Um, you know, we couldn't have asked for a better event. I think the folks that attended really, uh, enjoyed it. Um, we, we haven't looked at the evaluations yet, but just by the comments of folks walking out the door, people definitely were walking about 10 feet taller at the end of the day. I think they were feeling better. And the good news is, is that this year we were able to reach even more people. Last year was our first year to ever do this at the Friday Center in Chapel Hill. And this year, registrations were up a full 50% over the yep. previous year, which tells you that the people are finding out about these events. Mm-hmm. They're finding value in them when mm-hmm. they attend they're coming back yeah uh and that's really why we put them on the idea is to create a resource and a special day for caregivers to take care of themselves and then really improve their ability to take care of their loved one now if you miss chapel hill nicole there's another opportunity for people to do this there is we're going to have another one coming up the last one for 2017 we're going to finish the year strong on october 3rd in harnett county at campbell university in uh, October the 3rd, caregiversummit.org is the website, and our agenda is up to date now. Uh, we are starting to blitz that community with knowledge about the actual event. So, you know, it's not too far to drive if you're from Raleigh, certainly no further than driving from Raleigh to Chapel Hill, but we really do want to try to reach some folks in the rural community as well that may not have the same opportunities to attend such an event as this uh, um, traditionally throughout the year. The Campbell University location is absolutely beautiful. Oh, if you've never had gorgeous. a chance to tour that facility, it's incredible. Come down. Uh, it's also a very easy drive uh, for our caregivers who are in Johnson County and Cumberland County. South Wake. Absolutely. Yep. Chatham. It's really an easy route. Uh, folks that want to avoid the uh, the the, f- the very famed traffic of the triangle. Uh, you, you have an opportunity to have a little more pastoral drive and go to Bowie's Creek for this one. So well, we look forward to folks registering for that. Definitely. We're super thrilled. And, you know, one of the l- things I wanted to talk about a little bit more about uh, the Orange County Summit, one of the caregivers came up to me and was just floored by the amount of resources that were there. You know, last year we only had 10 exhibitors there because it was the first year we were testing it out, sort of like a pilot project. And this year we had 32. And wow. she walked up to me. She said, oh, my gosh, this was great. Everything <laughs> I'm ever going to need for my mom for the next 10 years was right here. And I talked to them all. And so she was just I mean, I just never saw somebody so excited about exhibitors. So that was that was really well, that's the idea. awesome. These folks can't go everywhere, and if we can bring the resources in one place, it's very efficient use of the caregiver's time. Yeah, it's a unique opportunity that uh, you can't find anywhere. Well, you can find it in three other places, but yes. you, you missed those already. So uh, if, if you missed, <laughs> sorry the, for you. Yeah, no. Last chance this year is is Harnett County, uh, and please register in advance if if you're interested. Head on over to caregiversummit.org. We are just about out of time here. Would like to thank our guests this evening, uh, Trisha McPherson with Relief Massage and Body Work, as well as Ray Reardon with the American Cancer Society and Cancer Action Network. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you spending your time with us. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can always find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 
WPTF.